Hello, welcome back everybody. We have got a special international episode for you today um, as we have two international guests. They're not just guests, they are actually current students on our PGC secondary and PGC primary programmes here at Cardiff Met Um, and I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves to you one by one. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm Rachel. I'm on the PGC primary. Welcome Rachel. Uh, Hi, I'm Ben. I'm in the PGC Secondary doing Geography. Fantastic. Well, it's really good to have you both with us today. And what we would like to um, to get from you and get from this interview, and, I, and hopefully what our listeners will find interesting, is the journey that brought you to want to train to be teachers in an international context. So in your own time, individually, maybe together, you might want to give us an insight into your kind of road to Wales. Rachel, starting with you maybe, what brought you here? Why did you want to train to be a teacher here in Wales? Sure, so um, I didn't always know I wanted to be a teacher. So I think that in terms of finding out what I really wanted to do, I I tried out teaching. I taught in Korea for two years. Um, I did a bunch of traveling. I volunteered in Laos also teaching. Um, And then in Tanzania as well. Wow. Um, <laughs> Goodness so, me. Yeah, so after those years of experience, I was, okay, now I'm finally ready to um, undertake that teacher training. I was pretty set on it, and I wanted to deepen my international experience by studying abroad as well. And the program here at Cardiff Met offered that you know international experience, and it was it was nice to have that kind of condensed into one year, whereas opposed to back in Canada, it would be over two years or for me since I have a three-year bachelor's degree it would be actually three years so yeah so it's quite a it's quite a a long road to teaching Mm -hmm. um, if you chose to train in Canada I see and you're you're both kind of unique and unified in your journey because you've both had other international teaching experience so Ben what about you yeah so I also had a bit of a similar journey to Rachel where I tried out teaching by going to Korea I taught there for five years Um, And I just found that as I progressed in that career and took uh, jobs that gave me more and more responsibility, I just enjoyed it more and more. And eventually I was convinced that teaching was the right path for me. Um, And then I decided to train and was not yet ready to return to Canada and settle down. You know, I'm I'm still young. And Wales offered uh, an opportunity. I'd spent a long time really far away from my family Um, in Korea and it was very difficult to Skype or to visit and so I chose Wales because of the proximity to Canada so that if parents wanted to call or visit um, as your parents age this becomes more and more of a concern and so uh, Wales was a fantastic opportunity because it was it was close enough that I could be near my parents but I could also gain another uh, international experience Thank you for that. Thank you for those insights. And I guess before we talk about uh, your experiences as international students here um, training to be teachers, a lot of our listeners' concerns who might be thinking about training to be a teacher in an international location might be kind of what's the process? What's the process that you go through to apply? How supported am I going to be in that process? How supported am I going to be, you know, finding a place to live? All of those really important details that might be blocks to them wanting to go through with it. So what was that experience like for you and any kind of tips that you might give to our listeners on that? Well, 
I think we both went through an organization called Can Teach, which is fantastic. And if you're thinking about um, studying Teachers College Abroad, 100% would recommend them. Get in touch with them. They will tell you exactly what you need to do for paperwork. They will give you a step-by-step guide. They will give you printouts of the websites that you're going to go through and exactly what to put in each box. Um, So I'd highly recommend that because it takes a lot of the stress out of that situation, which could be stressful if you were doing it on your own. And how did you hear about them in the first place? I I remember I actually... uh, was about to go abroad with Ken Teach about five years ago before I went to Korea. Um, and so I found out about them years and years ago. So I honestly can't remember. <laughs> that is too far in my past to remember. What about you, Rachel? I believe they reached out to my university and I found out about them there. But yeah, I had them on the back burner for a few years while I was kind of getting my bearings, thinking about what am I going to apply to? What kind of education do I want moving forward in my career? And then did you have the opportunity to liaise with any Cardiff Met staff before you arrived? And was that useful at all? Yeah, I found the international office at Cardiff Met extremely personable and helpful. I felt really supported by them. And I think um, comparing it to my experience studying in Canada, it was a lot more streamlined to apply here. And I just felt really supported through, through that as an international student, especially. I felt like there were special considerations for us in terms of, um, yeah, making us feel supported, not just to apply to the program, but to get settled into living here, to get visas. So the whole process was really, really um, aided by the international office. Yeah, if you if you get an email from Nicola from the international office, you know you're in good hands. I've <laughs> sent her emails on like a Friday night saying, I need this piece of paperwork signed on Monday so that I can get my, OSAP money, which is uh, the government money from Canada, um, and it came back Monday incredibly promptly. So the, the turnaround and the dealing with logistics, it's really good at the international office. Oh, well, that's very good to hear. So I'm glad you had uh, kind of smooth um, experiences getting at, you know, actually arriving here in the first place. And now that you're here, what is it about training to be a teacher um, in an international location that perhaps has augmented your experience in a way that maybe you couldn't have if you'd stayed home? I think it's just a big exposure to a completely different school system. Um, I kind of underestimated the amount of differences that there would be between the system that I grew up with in Canada and the school system here. But I think that's really allowed me to grow as a teacher, bridging those differences and kind of Looking at the system with new eyes, I think it's really kind of broadened my horizons in terms of, um, yeah, my experience as a teacher and then the experiences of my pupils. Mm. Um, and I think something that was important to me when applying was that the PGC is really widely recognized and accepted as a teacher accreditation. Accreditation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> mm. And yeah, so that was really important and yeah. So that transferability, um, you know, and 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 I guess it sounds to me like for for both of you, and I would imagine for other Canadian students who are considering that actually the community of international peers is going to be an important aspect of your student yes. life as well. So tell us a little bit about how important that is to you and to your experience. Um, so. Having lived, um, I'm going to use the word foreigner because that's what I'm used to using. I know it has a connotation in some settings, but um, having lived as a foreigner for a long time, um, this is actually one of my my tips for for well-being, is to be very deliberate 
about who you choose to be um, friends with because there are people out there that are going to be incredibly supportive. They're going to be organizing hikes and other things that are going to be really beneficial to your experience of living in another country Um, and seek those people out um, because they are there and there are fantastic parts of the foreigner community um, that you can be a part of and they'll be very supportive. Um, If you find there will always be, I think, Rachel, you could back this up, there will always be some foreigners that are doing nothing but complaining about the host country (laughs) and just limit your contact with them, that you don't need to spend time with them because they will drag you down to their level and you need to avoid those people because the good, the, the supportive members, they're there. You'll have fun with them. Good advice, some interesting insights. So you've just finished your first school experience. You've been on your first clinical practice placement. How did you find integrating into that environment? How did the pupils receive you? What kind of insights can you give our listeners into that as an experience? Well, the kids will be very interested um, in the fact that you're from abroad. They'll be very, as soon as you open your mouth, they will know and they will ask you questions. They may assume that you're from America um, just because you sound like the people off the television. Um, And they will also try to distract you from your lesson by trying to talk to you about Canada. So avoid that trap if you can. Uh, Indulge them sometimes because it honestly is a good opportunity for rapport building with the pupils. Um, the more they know about you, the more they're going to be engaged with you. Yeah. I felt like, um, yeah, it was a great way to get to know the pupils and have that initial, like, oh, I'm from here. And they had so many questions. And, you know, kids are kids everywhere. So sure. it was fun to engage with them on that. But I also feel like um, I was on my clinical practice. So I was among three other students at my school, a uh, single form empty school, so quite small. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the whole school, in a sense, got to know me as, oh, the Canadian student. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I felt actually really valued um, for what I brought to the placement Mm. um, as a Canadian student. Mm. Um, And yeah, kind of cherished for that, which was really lovely. That's really good to hear. Yeah, and you've uh, you've, uh, alluded to the fact that obviously things here are not quite the same in terms of school systems. Um, I suppose I've got a sort of a two-part question really, which is, in what way are we different to the system in Canada? So let's let's start with that bit, shall we? <laughs> there are there are some structural differences. Uh, simple stuff like uh, in secondary, we would have four classes a day, and you would have the same four classes over an entire semester. Uh, so as a teacher, you'd be seeing those pupils a lot more often. Whereas here, uh, because it's based on a rotation, if any Canadians are listening, it runs a little bit like middle school does in Canada. Uh, so you will have classes that you see three to four times a fortnight so that will make a difference in how you have to engage with those pupils because you don't have as much face time with them so that's one structural difference to be how about primary yeah um for me i'm still actually (laughs) learning a bit of uh the lingo and the differences in terms of um here their year groups and for us they would be grades um for us our intake goes from you know, starts in January 1st and yours is at the end of August, I believe. Um, And how children are grouped uh, throughout the key stages, we wouldn't really have that. We'd just have the separate grades as they are. So ours are not really grouped in the same way. Um, And a big difference that I found is that uh, ending primary school, um, when they do, they're quite young going to high school. And I think that's a big um, developmental difference? Yeah, so the year sevens that come into secondary school, um, they are they are younger than you would think 
um, because they are a year younger than what our grade sevens are. And I suppose we have to ask this question. You've you've landed here just as we're in the middle of reforming the entire education system. Everybody's having a, you know, a big panic about it or getting very excited about it. And you're coming at this with fresh eyes, without the baggage of our existing systems and curriculum. Do you think we're crazy? <laughs> I think, well, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of teachers that I've seen in schools are, have very mixed feelings about the Donaldson curriculum. Um, and I think in theory it has a lot of benefits um, as long as the GCSEs can be appropriately restructured. Um, We have a slightly different exam system in Canada. I think it's quite an exciting time to be joining a course, um, a PGC course, and I think Wales is really taking a brave step towards differentiating themselves as um, a country that values innovation um, and is really looking to our pupils as the next generation that's going to move Wales forward. Um, And it's really departing from England where they're taking more of a traditionalist approach and then now, you know, bravely stepping forward and embracing this new curriculum. And yeah, I think it's a really exciting time to be on a PGCE. And I think there can be uncertainty that comes with change, but I think I'm excited for to to see where it goes. And it's, it's really interesting to see the international aspects that have influenced the curriculum in terms of, you know, looking towards Singapore and Finland and and Canada in terms of what are some of the best practices that can be incorporated and, yeah, making the education system the best it can be. Thank you both for those perspectives. Um, As you are probably aware, um, because you've chosen this programme specifically, something that draws a lot of our applicants in is the uh, split of your time between your placement school and your time at university. And it's something that a lot of our international students have said is is an important aspect of the programme, that they get to come back to university and kind of be a learner again and mix with their cohort on a regular basis. Is that something that you would agree with? Has the university aspect kind of brought um, a, a new dimension or is it something that perhaps, you know, you could have done without? What What's your thoughts on that? The university aspect for me has been some of my favourite bits of coming to Wales. I think I came from a programme in Canada during my undergrad that was quite a large programme. It was a Bachelor of Arts. So a lot of my lectures weren't ever smaller than 100, 120 students. And coming to Cardiff Met, I feel like for the first time, I've gotten to know my professors and who they are and getting to learn from them as learners in the classroom, but also as practitioners and as teachers themselves learning from them and taking parts of their craft, what they've practiced in the classroom and applying that to my own classroom experience, I think has been so valuable and having those real personable connections. The the way that the placement ramps up in terms of teaching hours, which I am I understand is new to how this program works, I think is really good um, because it allows you that time to engage with some of the ideas that are presented to in, in the university time. And that's that's necessary, especially for someone coming in that's a little bit older. And I've sort of learned to survive by teaching and having to getting to take a step back uh, and engage with a bit of the theory rather than just the in-class management that anyone can learn just by exposure, but taking time to learn the theory, um, the the program is well-structured to allow that. 
That's a really great point. Thank you for that. Thank you, both of you. Okay, so we've had a, a little bit of a, a, a deep dive into your kind of your journey, the experiences that you've had here. For the listeners who are international, who are thinking of maybe making making that leap or, or just starting the process, is there any other final advice that you would like to share with them that might help them to, with their decision? In, in terms, I think I touched on this briefly earlier, but being very deliberate about about you setting up a support network they're not just friends that you're building when you're living in a new environment it's your whole support network your your family isn't going to be there in the same way if you're used to living around them um, so if you're going abroad make sure your parents know how to use Skype some <laughs> of the older generation hasn't learned to handle that yet um, and just being very deliberate with who you pick as your friends um, and in general just for the PGC program there is more work than you will have time to do. So set aside deliberate personal time. Set yourself a goal that I'm not going to do any work on Saturday. And then you can panic on Sunday and worry about stuff then. But on Saturday, it's totally your time. Go out and do something. Go out for a hike. Visit the castles. Enjoy yourself. You know? <laughs> hey, that's something I didn't ask, actually. I'm going to ask that just off the back of that question. How have you enjoyed Cardiff? Because you're living in Cardiff. There's a big uh, Canadian massive, isn't there, in, in, in Cardiff. So how are you enjoying that? I think Cardiff was an amazing choice, just in terms of affordability. And it's just, it's lovely. The most uh, castles per uh, city in all of Europe, I think. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, See, this fun is fact. Thing, like, exactly. And I, I, this is what I always admire and, and actually kind of feel a, a sense of self-disdain when I hear um, people coming into Cardiff. They know more about my city than I do. So it's really good to hear that you know those facts and that I'm learning from you too. <laughs> and it's good to hear that you've been embraced. So any final thoughts, Rachel, from you for our listeners about making that leap? I think if you have a love for teaching, and learning, especially because I think they're so interconnected. I think being brave and going for it is, you know, I, I, I kind of wish that I had done the program even earlier than I did. I'm, I'm so happy to come in when I have come in with the new curriculum. And I feel really lucky in that regard. But yeah, I kind of, I, I wish I had done it when I was first thinking about starting teaching as well. There's no wrong time to do it, but yeah. <laughs> I think that's really good advice. Um, before we move on to our, our homework slots, and, and Ben, you've already kind of shared one of your well-being, which is great. What's next for you both? I know it's uh, it's still we've got a little bit more time on the program, but but what are your thoughts about about your next moves? Well, the PGC is a very powerful certification, um, and it really does allow you to the be open to the entire world of possibilities. Um, and there are job boards that will place you in schools around the world where you can do your NQT year. So if if you're looking to travel further afield, those options are there. Uh, whether it be New Zealand or Germany, there are pe- there are organizations that you can find that will get you an NQT year in those places. And that's where I'm looking at the moment. I think for me, this course has really uh, reawakened a love of learning that I almost forgot about, that I really haven't been in touch with since I was a student myself before. So I think I'm (laughs) pretty keen on continuing that professional development and learning, whether that's a master's program or uh, getting some experience in the field before going back for that. But yeah, definitely looking forward to that. 
Really exciting. Well, we wish you all the very best with those endeavours. Now, you've been very, very good students and have come along prepared <laughs> with some homework. Uh, as you know, we've got some regular slots. We'll start off with wellbeing because we've already touched on that um, from Ben. Rachel, did you bring a wellbeing tip? I did. And it's kind of something that I developed here um, accidentally. So I was looking at the best way of getting to my clinical practice one school. And I realized it would be just as fast for me, if not even a bit faster, if I cycled (laughs) as opposed to taking the bus. So starting that, I found cycling to to schools in a school in the morning was just so great to not only wake me up, but um, get me energized and get that ritual of exercise. So I was never missing out on that if I didn't get the chance to go to the gym or have an exercise routine. Sure. So I always got that cycling in. Were you a cyclist? Uh, were you always a cyclist? <laughs> no, never. No, that's a brand new thing that you started Totally here. brand new. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm in, in, in awe and admiration Very impressive, of that. yes. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, we always ask, have you got something to try? So is there anything that you've got to share with our listeners that they could maybe try next week? Really invest in your relationship with your mentor they're going to have a teaching style and it's going to have very specific strengths and figure out what those are and do your best to learn from what your mentor is doing recognize their strengths and try to accumulate those for yourself um, and, and just establish a really good relationship with them good advice thanks ben what about you rach I think for me, um, this is kind of linked to my well-being tip of (laughs) cycling. While I'm cycling, I like to listen to a podcast, which (laughs) has been the PUC podcast. So thank you for having us on again. Oh, you're (laughs) most welcome. We are very lucky to have you. But yeah, since I've gone through all the episodes now, (laughs) I've also been listening to a podcast called The Happiness Lab. Um, I'm aware of it. Yeah. um, And a tip I've gotten from that podcast is developing a practice of gratitude. So I think something to try would be to not just practice gratitude in your own daily life, but to kind of express that. So before leaving my clinical practice one, I wrote some letters to the the staff at my school and to each of my pupils about something that I really appreciated about them. And I thought it was just, it was really good, um, not only for them to receive it, but for me just writing it, it was really therapeutic um, in terms of saying goodbye, saying what I appreciate about that experience. And then, yeah. Sounds quite cathartic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Really nice. I'm, and that's a, that's a new one. I, I, is I've heard one, of the Happiness it? Lab, but um, mm. uh, I've not actually listened to uh, a lot of the episodes. So I will certainly take that tip on board. And that, I suppose, is also something uh, something interesting, the Happiness Lab. Any more recommendations of things you've read, listened to or seen that, that you'd like to share? Well, if anyone is just beginning their steps into teaching and is feeling a little bit overwhelmed with all the theory and all the possibilities of what to do in the classroom, the absolute best teaching resource I ever came across was Doug Lemov's Teach Like a Champion. Um, it, it has It's a very practical-oriented guide to teaching. It's how to behave yourself, how to ask questions, how to seem confident in your classroom. Um, And it really helps to sort of walk before you can run. If you can get a handle on some of these mechanics of the classroom, then move into some of the theory uh, that comes later on. My personal recommendation is just to read one section, one tip a week 
and just go into the week and say, okay, I'm going to use the no opt-out questioning style this week and learn the strengths and weaknesses of that. Next week, pick something else. Stretch it or all the other tips in the book are all very solid for classroom management. Great tip. And, and there's there are a lot of videos that accompany it that are free to access yeah. online as well. So, yeah, great tip. And I think it's come up more than once on this Yeah, podcast, we hear a lot so from the Mighty yeah. Lem off, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah. We need to get the Mighty Lem off. We have on. to get him on, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've got a, another resource I could mention. Yeah, go for it, Ben. Um, this is only for people that maybe have my same personality trait of being naturally not the most productive people. Um, but as you go into adulthood, you have to learn how to deal with that. It's not um, not something that can hold you back. You have to deal with it. And I would recommend the book Getting Things Done. Ooh. Oh, we've had that. We've, we've had, had that, had yeah. that as well. which is oh, great. Okay. Which is great. Yeah, another reader of that. You know, it's um, it's a very dry book. Um, I won't blame anyone if they don't finish it. But figuring out a good way to write a to-do list is surprisingly useful. Yes. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. That spoke to both of us, didn't you it? You love that book, don't you? Yeah. I bought you a copy of that book. No, it was not intended to. Yeah, <laughs> that's very that, true. I don't it? always practice what he yeah. preaches, but I, I try my best uh, to uh, to follow those principles. So I'm glad that it's come up again. Can we take this opportunity to say a very big thank you to you both for joining us on this podcast episode, um, and to all of our international listeners? We wish you the best of luck um, in hopefully applying to our PGC in the not too distant future. Absolutely. And uh, we'll be back next time with something. Thank you. Goodbye. That was Emma and Tom's PGC podcast presented by Emma Thayer and Tom Breeze. The special guests this episode were me, Rachel Westerhook and Ben Field Webster. Field Webster. (laughs) A big shout out to all of our listeners across the world, especially to our fellow Canadians. If you're in an international location and think you'd like to train here in Wales, you can contact the lovely international office here at Cardiff Met. We're off to get some things done. Until next time, take care and enjoy teaching.